the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. This is the Northern Alliance Radio Network, the longest-running conservative talk show in the Twin Cities. It's great to be back in Minnesota today. Political analysis of the good, the bad, and the outright crazy. Now, here's your headline act, Mitch Bird. Welcome back, Twin Cities and World. It's the wind beneath the right wing, the show that is making talk radio great again. The Northern Alliance Radio Network. I am Mitch Berg, the headliner edition. Brad Carlson, the closer, coming up tomorrow from 1 to 3 here on AM 1280, The Patriot. Jack Tomzak, the new guy, uh, coming up right after this, actually an hour from now, here on AM 1280, The Patriot. The, the guy who knows where the bodies are buried in Minnesota politics and isn't afraid to dig them up live and on the radio. And of course, Charter Narn member King Banyan, live uh, from 9 to 11 every Saturday morning on our sister station, AM 1440, The Businessman, together with the Northern Alliance Radio Network. With me to talk right now about uh, the, the developing story of the, the collapse of what used to be considered uh, a fairly normal moral position here in America, at least by if you if you watch the media. Uh, what, one of my favorite guests, Amy Alcon, joins us here. Amy, of course, author of... <clears throat> On F wordology, uh, a word that I keep trying to find ways to tactfully reference on the show, because it's a great book, by the way, if you haven't checked it out. I'll, I'll post a link to it at shotinthedark.info. Uh, found also on Twitter at Amy Alcon. That's A L K O N. Amy, welcome to the show. How are you doing tonight? Hi. Great. I love being on with you. It's great. The feeling is so mutual. I look forward to every book you write. I mean, you, you need to come out with them more than every five years, but that's fine. I, I look forward to, to your book tours every single time, Amy. Now, the episode we're here to talk about today is unfortunately not a book. And it, it reminded me, as you talked about in this Twitter, yeah, a, tw- a tweet you came out with a couple days ago, earlier in the week, we Jews thought we were safe in America. I no longer feel that way with so many mobs openly calling for the mass slaughter of Jews. I, it, it took me back to something I remember. Now, my last name is Berg. I am actually about as Jewish as a bacon cheeseburger. I'm Northern European. <laughs> but, but, but a lot of people don't know the difference. I mean, we all kind of sound the same to them. And I remember when I was doing my first talk show host in the 1980s, uh, I, this was during a wave of of a brief wave of, of groups that were probably could be just a, uh, called neo-Nazis, right? I mean, you had the Posse mm-hmm. Comitatus, the Covenant, the Sword, the Arm, arm of the Lord, the, the people who shot uh, uh, Allen Berg, uh, the actual Jewish talk show host in oh, Denver, right, right oh about that God, time. I remember that, yeah. And I remember, uh, it was, and I remember getting the occasional anti-Semitic death threat back then. I'm thinking, well, you guys aren't paying much attention. I'm Norwegian. I'm Norwegian. But on the other hand, if it really <laughs> exercises you people, I mean, I mean, go ahead. Think whatever you want. I, I, but I remember thinking at the time that anti-Semitism at this, at this level, the actual cuddling up and coddling uh, of, of ideologies that actively sought the extinction of Jews and other minorities, uh, was the province 
of of the filthy, uneducated neckbeards in cabins off in the woods, making uh, panting phone calls and driving around uh, with <laughs> and driving around the woods until the feds caught up with them. Uh, this is what I what I gave me some comfort twenty five thirty years ago uh, as that particular wave of anti of of of, of neo Nazism, quite frankly, died off and got suppressed and disappeared under the, under its own way. And, and I I'm a little bit chagrined to say. I could hardly have been more wrong. The the, the flavor of anti-Semitism that has come boiling out of the of the cracks and crevices of our society this past month has shocked and appalled me in ways that I didn't think I would ever see in my lifetime, Amy. And I'm saying this as a build-up to a video you took this past week, one of uh, several things that you've done in covering this this wave of anti-Semitism that, that grabbed my attention. You live in Venice, California. A, uh, a yeah. hotbed of, of small and big L liberalism. And yet the thing you saw this past week just nauseated and and enraged me. T- describe the scene for us, Amy, that you, you put up on video this past week. So first I want to describe my neighborhood, which is that yes. you know, across the street, my neighbor collected rocks from the beach for 30 years. It's huge. It's a block long dirt strip. And she made a garden, a community garden with yes. donated cactuses. <laughs> and I had a sign on my door, a pink sign because someone's lost turtle was in my yard saying, I have your turtle. I'm giving him water. This is my cute neighborhood. Your okay. descriptions and, of your neighborhood over the years make it sound like it, it's like it's a, like like it's central casting quirky neighborhood from a sitcom from the 1980s. I mean, it's just the most adorable sounding place. And yet, <laughs> and yet, so and then it's become sort of very wealthy tech bro also. But we still have all the Venice artists and weirdos are still here. They're all still on my block. Anyway, my cute neighborhood. I'm writing. I'm working on this book. And like about noon or one, and I hear this shouting, oh, my God, for the calling for the mass murder of Jews. And, you know, in Israel, this is just from the river to the sea. And people will say, oh, that doesn't mean, you know, that just means, you know, it doesn't really mean we want them murdered. And every extremist group uses that to mean, yes, slaughter them all from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea. This is all of Israel. And so I hear this, and I'm a 59-year-old, 135-pound, 5'9 author. I lift a barbell, but it's like 80 pounds. That's all I can do. (laughs) I mean, I'm not formidable, but I thought, and I was afraid, but I thought, I must. I can't just not stand up. So I'm the lone person. There are like 100 people, this mob, and shouting this. And I just went out there, and I was shouting, I'm a Jew. I support the state of Israel. This guy, this is so horrible. Now, Mitch, you're my kind of guy. I'm from the Midwest. My father is, was, he died, but he was a good man who saw women and children and people weaker than he was as people he must protect. He would never threaten anyone. If he and my mother had an argument, he never did or said anything threatening, make her afraid. No, there was no fear in my house. Right. So this guy, he's like 6'4". I'm in this, I'm like on a public street, um, and I think I was, I might have been on the sidewalk because I'm, you know, afraid in these situations, my memory goes, yeah. but I was way down at the end where I could, no, I, I was in the street. Sorry, I'm, I'm, so I, I try to You're in public, every, you're in a place yeah. you have every legal right to be. I this mean, that's is, the point. This is the, right, this is the, but this is the end of my street, three houses from, you know, like three houses from my house, or my house is the third, and these people are going by, and so I'm saying this to them, I am speaking, like, to say this, you know, my point of view, this is unacceptable. By the way, this is an illegal march. Yeah. You can't march through a neighborhood 
screaming. And moreover, you certainly can't do it on the street they were doing because this is the fire through street for all of Venice. The fire trucks go down the street and you can't see. It's a little bit long, like where they were coming out of. Once the fire truck goes down there, it curves. You can't see that there's a blockage. So if they run into a mob of people, you know, they can't move. And a fire truck can't back up, you know, a whole bunch of distance like a Porsche. So, you know, if someone had a heart attack down further in Venice, that person would have been screwed and dead. Yeah. Because of these selfish jerks. And they're doing this in a neighborhood where Jews live. I mean, I can't even tell you the amount of terror as an American Jew. I feel so privileged to be a citizen, so grateful that my ancestors in 1900 were welcomed here from Russia, escaping pogroms from Germany. You know, and, and like this was my idea of America is not this. It's good. I found out who he was. Oh, wow. um, in Los Angeles, he is, um, I think, of Palestinian descent or from somewhere in the Middle East. And I have, by the way, the, I'm sorry, I'm dis- disjointed about this, but I wanted to say this. One of the best human beings I know is Muslim. Oh, yeah. Muslim. And he is such a good person and kind and wonderful, makes the world a better place. I take people as individuals. This guy was a thug. Yeah. And this thug, what he did, I'm a woman. And we women evolved to be afraid of men. I'm not some man hater. I love men. But it's because men are physically stronger than we are, more muscle mass, more upper body strength. They're bigger. They have testosterone. And so, you know, when a man comes at you with a big body and he's coming toward you and won't stop, it's terrifying. And so I said, like, don't come near me. He kept coming, kept coming. So what he did with his body, he backed me away. This is the thug's veto. What that means is I was, my speech was having an impact, you know, telling the people, no, here's the other point of view. And he turned down the volume and the intensity of my speech by using his thuggish body. And I had um, grabbed a taser before um, I I came out. (laughs) I am so in a situation of fear. I'm like incapable of you know, like really functioning. And so I sort of remembered I had it and I used it to say back off. Oh my God, the idea I would taste someone, I I kind of, I wouldn't, like I wouldn't even, it wouldn't occur to me how in that kind of situation. He kept doing that. And, And then people, this is so interesting. So I post this about how horrible this is. And you see all these people. Oh, come yeah. on and say, oh, well, he was speaking politely to you or something, oh. you know, and all this stuff. And like, oh, he wasn't doing anything, you know, and what it is, they're trying to dismiss. This is this thing. It's it, it, where they're trying to dismiss and make me seem crazy or something. Yeah. You know, for they're saying, gaslighting you. They're gaslighting exactly. you into saying you didn't perceive what you thought you perceived. Oh, let me, let me just say yeah. this. If this, if this had been a domestic dispute and a guy was forcing you in a direction you didn't want to go with the bulk of his bite, no matter how sweetly he was talking, he would be leaving the house for the night and you would be getting the house and the kids at some point. If this was in a bar, and I used to be a nightclub DJ, if we saw if the bouncers saw a man backing a woman up like that, no matter mm-hmm. how he was whispering, those bounces would be, bouncers would be playing Moby Dick on his head. Uh, this is... <laughs> It's yeah. not even a question a about it, Amy Alcott. So, absolutely. So, go ahead, carry on. So, anyway, this was so awful. And I, I actually spent, you know, because I, I had to, my book is called How to Live with Guts and Confidence. And I was a friendless loser till I was 15. It was actually anti Semitism that caused this. I didn't have any friends. They wrote Dirty Jew on a garage door, and Ooh. girls physically bullied me in junior high. So, my dad 
see, American men like this, like my dad, like you, he saw a bruise on me. Oof. And, you know, kids in their, you know, when they're like in their young teens, they're not real talkative about what's going on. And so, but he made me tell him how I got the bruise and it was from these girls. Oh my God, my dad marched like the cavalry into the <laughs> principal's office. That never happened again. They didn't talk to me, didn't do it. It was a gang of girls, Wow. you know, and this, this kind of thing. So anyway, I got a little bit off track there, but I, I was, I sobbed all day because it, my naivete my wonderful naivete uh, that, you know, about what America was, which, you know, it was this place until recently. And I think some of this stuff is, comes from toxic poison from academia. Oh, yeah. You know, that, that's causing this and causing all these people to join, you know. And so I was very upset all day. And then um, a really funny thing happened. Um, one of the people on the other side, the like death to Jews side. Yeah, guess what? No. Um, <laughs> they post a video of me. I only had my video and I like my camera's shaking and I'm like, I had to figure out how to edit it to make it go the right side, which took me like half an hour. Cause I'm not, you know, whatever the techie, um, <laughs> they have the video of me like for my face and my body and they post it to shame me. Yeah. <laughs> and my reaction, they did not expect. I said something like, Oh my God, I think this is the proudest moment of my life, except for when I got a homeless woman's car back for her and got the Tofies and DMV stuff waived. You know, I do mediation volunteer work. Yeah, Amy, um, I'll cut. We, so, we, we have to take a break right now, but okay. uh, I want to come back and finish this thought and go to some of the other responses we've seen. So let's take a quick break. Talking with Amy Alcon, uh, author of <clears throat> On F-Bombology. Uh, I'll post a link at Shot in the Dark. Found on Twitter at, at Amy Alcon. Uh, follow her. Uh, retweet her. Follow what she's doing. This is vital stuff. Go nowhere. We'll be right back. I think I could stay with you for a while. AM 12A, The Patriot, the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Hey, don't forget the Freedom Fan Club members, all of you, get premium content on-demand access to your favorite local shows. Just click podcast at am12athepatriot.com. There you will have access to a deep archive of interviews, conversations, and the big happenings of the week and other hot topics, including this one. Yeah, just click on the Mitch Berg episode of the Northern Alliance Radio Network. You can hear every conversation I've had in the last years and years. Just just go do it. So, what we you're going to go to am12athepatriot.com slash podcast. You're going to listen. Are we clear on this? 651-289-4488, the number to call. We're talking with Amy Alcon, author of I'll get through it one more time <clears throat> on F-Bombology. Uh, also found on Twitter at uh, Amy Alcon, A-L-K-O-N, Amy Alcon. Uh, we're talking about the videos that you, that you shot this last week and the, and the perspective on these, quote, protests in Venice, California uh, this past week. And, and by the way, I just I, I like to see, especially the response you had to that last video, because I think one of the greatest episodes of Jews responding to anti-Semitism uh, was was the Jews of Skokie, uh, Illinois, uh, overwhelmingly concentration camp survivors who basically after losing the Supreme Court case to get the uh, protest moved or kicked out of town, basically mocked and taunted them into submission, <laughs> into into fleeing and running, which I just thought was the greatest 
a bit of First Amendment, applied First Amendmentism in my life. I also got to say, since you brought it up, they were chanting from the river to the sea. Since you, I believe, a Michigan native, right? You, you, you grew up in yes. the greater Tri- Of course, you, you, Michigan is plagued with some terrible, terrible representatives these days. This past week, Debbie Dingell, uh, the marvelously named Debbie Dingell. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, Gary. Yeah, I like to take the high road, but not there. At any rate. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I, fair enough. I'll, 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 I'll join you down there. At any rate, uh, she said, yeah, no, from the river to the sea can, can, can have multiple meanings. And I said, oh, well, yeah, please. a lot of words can have multiple meanings. I mean, Arbeit macht frei could be a Horatio Alger story translated into German, except yeah, in the context right. that everyone understands it. And, uh, and, and from the river to the sea, again, it could be a tourist travelogue. But it's not. Anyway, I, I love... Right, getting... and you know, I want to comment, too. Say, same with Palestine will be free. That means free of Jews. Yes. Judenrein, or Judenrein, as they say in Nazi Germany. Yes. You know, and, and yeah, you know what? No thank you, number one. And also... You know, the, all this stuff that's said like about genocide and everything, the people, they're just repeating this, you know, over and over, like, without facts, where it's like, okay, this is the best. Israel had the leader of Hamas who planned this, who was behind the, the October 7 attacks. Yes. He was in prison there. He was dying of cancer. We're such saps, we Jews. It's our Jewish values. First of all, he's in prison. We owe him to, you know, take care of any prisoner. So they cure this monster's cancer. He's alive oh. because Jews, Israeli doctors care for him. So then Gilad Shalit and then two other soldiers, they were kidnapped. And so, and that, now Israel really values life. And so, and the Palestinian terrorists know this. And so they end up trading like a thousand prisoners for these three Israeli soldiers. Yeah. Um, and one of them is this guy who planned October 7th. So he was alive. If Israel is genocidal, what, what kind of like the success in every area of technology? We're so stupid at genocide. We can't even manage to like realize we should, you know, off the guy who's the, the head terrorist. The population, of Pal- the population of Palestine more than quintupled in the last 75 years, which is faster than the world's rate of population growth. So yeah. they're, they're, if there's one thing that Jews are, do not excel at is genocide. Clearly, they're failing at it. Uh, so I, that's, that's yet another irony to go over there. I, so Amy Alcott. You had another meeting this past week that uh, sounded a whole lot more pleasant than your meeting with the press had protesters out on your street. And by the way, before I go on to your, your, your uh, meeting at the, I believe, the Jew- Jewish journalists uh, group, we can come back to in a moment here. But I just say the, the fact that, they, that these protesters were walking down the right of way for, for fire trucks is just the I mean this this is a sign of their entitlement. We we've, we've had that up to our, our up to our eyebrows in the Twin Cities here with uh people from BLM to the uh 5 6 uh, years ago to the uh to the Palestinian protesters blocking freeways and blocking uh blocking wherever they want to block and saying, "Well, you know, you're if you think this is inconvenient, try living in Gaza." It's like, "No, no. Follow the rules the rest of us rest of, the right. way the rest of us have to do when we exercise our Fifth Amendment rights." Anyway, right. sorry. I'm digressing. You, you Oh, no, you're right. You know what? I just want to say yeah. there are people with minimum wage jobs struggling to get make ends meet, especially yes. here in L.A. There are a lot of recent immigrants and everything, and people need to get to work on time or they can lose their jobs. Yes. And those people who block access or block access, emergency vehicles may need to get through. I mean, this is really, it can end in a terrible, terrible, terrible way, other than just, oh, you're inconvenienced, which, by the way, you don't have the right to do to stop people on a public street. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, and 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 who are who are you to judge what is convenience and what is a necessity of life and what's an actual emergency? I mean, you, you, if I don't get to judge that for you, then uh, for all for God's sake, reciprocate. At any rate, so let's talk about your meeting. You 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 had a meeting that brought you in close contact with the family of another prominent Jewish victim of toxic uh, anti-Semitism this past week, Amy. I thought that was a fascinating yeah. story. Let's let's hear let's hear about that. So, okay, this was actually, it wasn't for journalists. It was actually the Jewish Journal, which is the Jewish News of Los Angeles. And um, I'm friends with the publisher, and so he invited me. It's this gal that was the community leaders of the Jewish community. And and Judea Pearl, whose son was Danny Pearl, who was brutally murdered by terrorists. He was beheaded. Yes. Judea Pearl spoke there. And what was amazing to me was that he, here's this man, I mean, it's not amazing, it's Jewish values, but that instead of being mired in revenge, you know, and and hate, what he did was he turned this horrible event, and this guy was a beautiful guy, I know somebody who knew him, um, with a wife, with a baby on the way, Um, he turned this event, this horrible event, into um, philanthropy. He has a foundation to um, to have understanding between countries and peoples, and to to train journalists. He brings journalists to from the from Muslim countries to the United States. They're not you know indoctrinated. They're they're actually sent off with Western journalists at various papers to see what it's like to be in a free country where there's freedom of speech. And so that just showing them here's the reality as opposed to what you've learned. You know, and and people don't realize about Palestinian, you know, and other populations in the Middle East, the education, they mostly in their schools, in the U.N. schools, they spend most of the time teaching them them that Jews are apes and pigs and this horrible stuff. And that the greatest value for a child from, you know, is to die while murdering Jews. I mean, this is child abuse. Yes. And and you talk about... I I coined this concept called Berg's Seventh Law probably 15 years ago. It's it's the idea that whenever someone on the cultural and and political left – criticizes a conservative's uh, concern for liberty, for, for humanity, for the dignity of human beings, they are at best projecting and at worst covering their own plans. And when we talk about systemic racism – which, of course, is something that I, as a conservative, get beaten over the head with constantly. Uh, this is what this is actually that manifested here. Not not only not only in Palestinian schools, but throughout, as we were talking about in the first hour, throughout the the the, the, the whole philosophy of intersectional studies is the idea that that racism is built into the core of everything they do, and it's it's just more kinetic, as they say in in Palestine. But it's uh, there are those who, who see that happening throughout the rest of the world. So yeah, absolutely, that that toxicity is quite a contrast with the Pearl family. You're absolutely right, and and oh, uh, it so is. And you know, I have. I'm a big nerd, and I have no. you know, all my. I know, right? All my friends are, and my friends who are black are brilliant, like my friends who are every other color. And I'm friends with a lot of guys who are in, and, and a few women who are in tech, who are in my extreme nerd meetup group. You know, guy from <laughs> Kenya, people um, like him. They are so smart, and the idea that that they are oppressed and need a handout. I mean, it's so insulting. And I, what I feel bad about is that they probably get have that assumed about them when they are these hardworking, incredible minds, you know, and, and deserve everything they have just be, on their merits. 
but now there's all this racism that's made to be, you know, this said to be good, you know, that just is straight up racism yeah. that that insults them and infantilizes them and demeans them and all their accomplishments. Yeah, absolutely. And and the idea that 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 people need to be seen as individuals. I I had the most amazing uh, encounter for you. By the way, Amy Alcon, we're running up on time here. Do you have, uh, by any chance, an extra segment, uh, another five, ten minutes to spend with us? Oh, my God. Time? I was thinking, I would. I hope he has me on for longer. We will. Yes, well, let's, please. let's keep you over the break here, but there's one story. You know what? I just want to tell you, I would sure, like sure. to talk about Jews and guns. Oh, well. We need we'll, to get over our little, like, you know. We will come back to that. In fact, I will start yeah. the next segment with that here. But a oh, few great. years ago, Ed Morrissey, my friend, who interviewed you once upon a time, at least once as well. Him. Oh, he's, he's amazing. Great. He's one of my best friends. And he, uh, and, and he and I were doing a remote broadcast. Uh, during one of the intifadas at, a, at an outdoor event, and we were, and Ed was raving about the about the, the sins of the of the, the jihad. And there's this Arab gentleman at a, at a falafel stand across the aisle from us who was just staring daggers at us. And said, Ed, 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 Ixnay on the on the Amase, and and, <laughs> and we did, we're, we're going to have a problem here. And and we went off, my, and the guy comes over and says, he's Egyptian fellow who runs a, a rather iconic Middle Eastern restaurant here in the Twin Cities. He says, uh, yeah, no, you're right. Uh, I couldn't agree more. The Palestinians are always coming at us with their hands out, and they're just pains. In the, I, I can't say it on the radio. But point being, treating people as when people have the, the, the freedom to, to react as individuals, they can, they can certainly surprise you. And, of course, that's what's being vanquished here. Amy Alcon, we're going to uh, come back after this break and talk about a variety of subjects, including one the and dear to my heart, Jews with guns, because boy, is it ever time for uh, for for the tribe to get over that particular anxiety. And in fact, we'll talk about that much more. Uh, Northern Alliance Radio Network with Amy Alcon, A L K O N. Go to a- at Amy Alcon on Twitter. It's what we're here for. Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM twelve A, The Patriot. Go nowhere. We'll be right back. AM 12A, The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network. Hey, don't forget, SalemNewsChannel.com, a news channel that loves America, isn't afraid to admit it. Watch your favorite hosts like Dennis Prager, Hugh Hewitt, Brandon Tatum, Sebastian Gorka, but not me, Brad, and Jack just yet. We'll have to work on that. Anyway, get ahead of the world's events. Just go to SalemNewsChannel.com. Get the truth. Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 1280, Patriot Talking, this hour with Amy Alcon, that's A-L-K-O-N, uh, at Amy Alcon on Twitter, author of, all right, once more into the breach, on Effenheimerology, uh, I will post a link at shotinthedark.info. I've got, I've got euphemisms all day long, Amy Alcon, at any rate. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're, we're going to talk about a variety. I mean, there's so much yet to talk about. We could probably do two hours on this subject, and perhaps one day we will if things don't calm down out there. But uh, any day I could talk on this. I know a really a great deal about Islam because um, I had been reading intensively in it, as I like to say, um, since um, th- 3,000 of my um, neighbors were murdered yeah. in lower Manhattan for the crime of arriving to work on time That's in right. 2001. Yeah, and, and, I, and I have a lot of good Muslim friends. I, I grew up not far from the first mosque in America in, of all places, Ross, North Dakota, and, and they, they, it, 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 it goes way back in my family. My mother lived in Turkey for a long time. I, I have a lot of good Muslim friends in the neighborhood. 
but there's all the asterisks involved and 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 the and the fascist political system that has uh, that the extremes have led to has brought us a lot of problems i will i will say by the well, way can I, can I just add something in that because i think it's sure. really important to say so there's a difference between um islam and islamism which is yes. uh ideology that causes like let's it's actually in the islamic text that you must murder the jews and the infidel, hi, that's everybody else, yes. and then um, violently impose Islam on, on the rest of the world. You know, and so this is, this is what we have a problem with. And there's a wonderful site called thereligionofpeace.com, yes. and there's under the about there, there's a thing about Muslims and Islam, and they say, don't judge the Muslims that you know by Islam, and don't judge Islam by the Muslims that you know. So it's a very open-eyed view of the ideology being really pretty horrific, and also noting that, you know, there are a great many very good people who are Muslim who don't practice it that way, who do it, practice like Jews and Christians. You don't see Jews and Christians stoning their neighbors for adultery, even though there's that kind of language in the Bible and New Testament. Yeah. And and and, and by the way, a good friend of this broadcast who is a, a counterterrorism expert said, you know, I mean, it's, there are a lot of Muslims here in the Twin Cities, a lot of Somalis uh, who are, are quite controversial these days, especially given that they elected Ilhan Omar to Congress. Oh, but, yeah. and probably 10 or 15% of them uh, are rooting for the bad guys to some extent or another. But he asks, where do you suppose we get the information about them from? Well, the other 85% or at least some of them. I mean, there's there's enough of them whose hearts are in the right place uh, yeah. to, 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 to not wipe the whole, to, to not paint with too broad a brush. And yes, I actually got that article from uh, Religion of Peace from you, and I'll be posting that on my blog sometime in the next couple of weeks. It was a brilliant, brilliant piece. So yeah. another brilliant piece I read that changed my life as someone who grew up in uh, what passed for a fairly left-of-center family in rural North Dakota was the Bene Brith's Black Brook of Nazi Atrocities uh, during the Holocaust. And uh, I read it at way too formative an age. And, and I couldn't help but notice something that, um, that, that, that jumped out at me was that the people who survived or had a shot of surviving were the ones who got themselves a hold of a gun or two. One of my earliest heroes in life or in my teens was a fellow named Stanislaus Schmeitzner. who was a 16-year-old. Uh, self-taught silversmith uh, who was part of the breakout from an extermination camp in Poland who survived the war and went on to to put the finger on some of the uh, some some of the Nazi war criminals who'd escaped to Brazil after the war and uh, one of whom committed suicide not long after he discovered uh, after he found them somewhere in Brazil uh, early hero of mine it started my 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 drift from left to right and started my drift from uh, someone from a gun control family to, well, me, a shooter today, <laughs> someone who teaches people how to shoot and someone who offered uh, my Jewish friends who were feeling 1930s Kristallnacht vibes around and about the cities, uh, I don't know, a day at the range to kind of get uh, over the anxiety. Just And a- you know what? Yes. Thank you. We so Jews appreciate it. And, you know, and I saw that and I loved you for it, even oh. though I can't do it because I'm a bunch of miles away. And you're in California where it's it's a lot more dangerous because they know better what's uh, there for your safety. I'm I'm repaying uh, some some good uh, some some favors here uh, to the two uh, carry permit instructors I've ever had 
were both members of the tribe, and they both uh, had uh, very, <laughs> very similar uh, motivations for getting into being shooters, even though both of them were left of center, uh, and certainly left of me politically. They both became shooters for largely historical and ideological as well as personal and practical reasons. So so what you, you, your, your post about the video you took, about the guy getting literally in your face and uh, and and almost well pushing you around at least by infer- yeah literally in, in using the his bulk um has how has that changed your attitude on the idea or has it affected your idea on how a to live in america as a jew b on how to uh, on on the notion of maybe having a more active role in in seeing to your own safety well okay i'm libertarian so i've always been for the second amendment and the reason i didn't have a gun was that um I basically lose all brain power when I'm afraid. And I thought, I'm like, I'll shoot myself or something, even if I'm trained. And I just, I'm sort of a numb nuts and I shouldn't, <laughs> I shouldn't have a firearm because of that. Fair enough. But, um, I had a felon living outside my house, thanks to our lefty mayor, Eric Garcetti, who specifically told the police they couldn't move me. Early release from prison, violent, he had a restraining order for beating up his mom. I mean, like, really? We talked about him. The last time we were on the show, we were talking about Garcetti. Yes. And he was, but this guy was like, he was right outside my gate. He was threatening me. And I couldn't take out my trash except when the police came because I was too afraid. Anyway, so I thought about that then, but I'm writing this book and I, you know, I haven't, I'm, I'm just all focused on that. And it takes all this training and everything. So, but this revisited that in my head, not actually this thing that happened here, but just all of this now where I thought, because see, even though I'm a Second Amendment, not, you know, ooh, gunziki person, many Jews are, they're Democrats. You know, there's this idea, oh, no, 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 never. But, you know, like, get over it, Jews. And I said this recently, Jews need to own guns. They need to be trained. They need to practice. They need to have help buying guns. And low-income Jews, Jewish organizations, need to fund low-income Jews so you're not imperiled because you're poor. And then also fund not just the purchase, but the regular training that you need, a gun safe, you know, these things that you need to be a responsible gun owner. Because my friends are packing, my libertarian lady friends, and my best friend is a former LAPD cop for 40 years. And so, you know, when I go to lunch, there are like three people that are packing there, you know, and and except me. And so the great thing, though, is when two of them sit with their backs to the door, it just seems really stupid. Not that, you know, before now, I thought like people were going to gun us down in Venice cafes. But now, I mean, you just feel very unsafe in America in a way you didn't before. And so that's why the gun thing, I, I remembered reading that in Nazi Germany, they made all the Jews turn over their guns. And yes. so Jews didn't really know it was coming. They didn't believe that the society they were a part of was going to eat them alive and kill them. And so it said, you know, the edict said, you must turn over your guns or there, there will be some terrible penalties. And so they did. And this yeah. is a mistake. You know what? I don't care. Like New York, you're not supposed to carry a gun through Times Square. Yeah, you know what? It, it, being safe, <laughs> you know, if some, there's some terrorists there, you know, you can get a good lawyer, you know, and you know, protest that you were scared or you forgot or something like that. I mean, I'm not a legal expert, so don't quote me on that. Everyone ignore what I just said because I don't know anything This is not legal advice, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> right. But but seriously, that's my equation for this. And I just told someone that something like that the other day um, because we need to be able to protect ourselves. In, in, in that situation, I wouldn't have brought a gun out there 
you know, because I think you can't, have, unless you have concealed carry, you can't. And I, that would maybe escalate things. I didn't expect to be, I mean, I just thought, t- I don't know, I'm an idiot. <laughs> Sorry. There, there's, you're going by what you've heard, and you, and you hear a lot of things that are flat out wrong from people out there. But the, the point being that Jews are perceived, not without reason, as a soft target. And I, I, the thing that precipitated the tweet that I put out there about offering my Jewish friends a day at the range and, and, and just some, some candid facts about not just owning and shooting, but the laws you have to follow, I mean, that's, that's just... Um, but, but I, that came from a good friend of mine, also Jewish, who, I, I mean, I was right after I, I, October 7th happened when I was over in Norway, and I had no idea what all was happening because I was watching the news in, in a second, let's yeah. just say, second language. And, um, and, and I saw this friend of mine saying, so how many of you are getting 1930s vibes out there? I thought, whoa, this very stable a uh, sensible friend of mine is making uh, Kristallnacht references on Facebook. This must be really serious. Uh, yeah. and, and I had no idea. And, 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 and my entire frame of reference was those death threats 30-odd years ago at my first talk show, which is kind of a joke and comedy gold to me ever since then. But nobody's joking these days. And, it, and, and the Kristallnacht references are, are the real thing. And seeing what has been going on in all of our cities, including this one, uh, and I just want to say, outside the museum, it's called the Museum of Tolerance. Yes. It's the Holocaust Museum. Yes. The Holocaust Museum, they have, were screening these horrible, you know, they do these private screenings just for certain people. You can't bring in a phone. So people are able to witness the horror. And, you know, because people, yeah. they're saying, oh, that didn't really happen. Oh, my God, really? Yeah. You know, and they, they were attacked outside there. And I love the person who said, well, you know, there are two sides. They were, you know, they were attacking. Also, the Jews were attacking. Oh, my God. You know, if there's one thing Jews don't do in Los Angeles is go around giving people beatdowns. Yes, At right. that Jewish Journal event, I broke up with my boyfriend of 20 years, and I, you know, was hoping I'd meet some single guy there. And the one guy who was, like, tall and manly and everything, he was a bodyguard for um, one of the guys speaking there. <laughs> Everybody else, my requirements were really smart. Um, good character and tall and masculine. Okay, really smart and good character we had, tall and masculine. <laughs> yeah, not happening. You know, and so, right, th- this is, this is um, that's why the gun is more necessary than ever. And you could hear me go off into the land of, like, I don't know what I'm talking about. And this, this is the thing that we need to not be like I was at that moment, understand the law, understand all of this. And, you know, and, and this goes not just for Jews, but for ordinary Americans. Someone can break into your house, you know, here, the, all this defund the police moronism. Oh, oh my yeah. God, really? No, I mean, I mean armed, armed people don't get beaten down without some resistance, and eventually the message gets out. Amy Alcon, uh, author of on F-Wordology and found on Twitter <laughs> at, at Amy Alcon. We will do this again because this has Thank been you. a lot of fun. Absolutely. Best of luck out there. Stay in touch. Uh, it's the Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 12. Of 80 the page but one more segment to go which means the fun still is technically just getting started go nowhere am1280 the Patriot Northern Alliance radio network 651-289-4488 the number to call next week when I'm back I'm not in the studio now. I just ran off the phone number to kind of force a habit. But there's a reason for that, and I said I would talk about it. Yeah, now I'm out in the studio today because the band Elephant in the Room is off on the road doing our fall uh, tour. 
Uh, by the way, we had a great gig last night at uh, the Savage Legion, the Dan Patch Legion in Savage, one of our favorite places to play, uh, one of our probably 15 favorite places to play. I mean, they're all favorites, pretty much. If they book us more than once, they're one of our favorites. But Dan Patch, we had a great time. A lot of our friends came out that hadn't seen us before. That was a blast. So great to have you all there last night. Tonight... As you hear this, I am winging my way towards Spicer, Minnesota. If you are within a couple hours drive of Spicer, you can join us at the Spicer Legion just south of uh, southwest corner Green Lake. It's actually lake colored, but they call it Green Lake. I don't know. I don't make the rules, but uh, that's that's what it's called. Anyway, if you're in the greater southwest Minnesota area, we will be at the Spicer Legion tonight from 7 to 11. And uh, I'm looking forward to that because we always have so much fun in Spicer and well, pretty much every place we play. So hope you can join us there. By the way, next uh, Friday night, next Friday night, Elephant in the Room will be at Shamrock's on West 7th Street uh, in St. Paul, just southwest of downtown St. Paul, kind of down, just down the street from the Schmidt Brewery. And uh, it's it's one of my favorite, again, one of my favorite bars. I love it. We're going to be on uh, either 930 or when the wild game lets out, whichever comes first. Uh, no, second, whichever comes last, sorry. Uh, and um, hopefully the game will end more or less on time because we want to play. It's going to be a fun night. we got a lot of our friends coming out there. Hopefully you can be one of them. At any rate, talking with Amy about about um, about that last bit. There. I mean, the whole the whole interview was a lot of fun. I always love talking with Amy. Uh, but her, her her injunction to Jews to get armed to ranger up uh, is one I've, t- I, as I said, I took to heart as a teenager and actually started softening on the second amendment long before i softened on the rest of liberalism uh, and i became kind of intransigent about that and this episode that's happened in uh, the middle east in gaza in southern israel in the negev this past uh, month has reinforced my reasons for that uh, for being an intransigent second amendment advocate um, why well i'm glad you asked uh, there was a story, and I posted it at Shot in the Dark uh, last week, uh, this past week, or should I say November 10th, a piece entitled, Shall Not Be Infringed. And it's a, it's a piece from uh, the All Israel Network on the hero of Kibbutz Kisufim, uh, uh, a fellow who um, repelled, uh, along with uh, two of his uh, his friends, repelled uh, the Hamas attack on, on his kibbutz, one of the uh, small number of kibbutzes that uh, weren't ready per se for the attack but digested the information they were given in time to actually respond effectively uh the good news is there were three men uh at this kibbutz who were armed one of them died in the process of defending his kibbutz however they successfully organized the defense of the kibbutz killing a few dozen terrorists uh while waiting for the army to arrive uh, remember the old American uh, Second Amendment advocate saying, or call a cop and car, call Domino's, see who shows up first? Even more so in Israel, it took the army hours to get there because they had their own problems to deal with. Uh, sort of like being in Minneapolis during the riots. Huh, parallels, parallels, yes. Anyway, the good news is this kibbutz, along with a few others that have gotten some publicity over this past month, had armed people who knew what they were doing and were able to respond and did so, saving countless lives, taking uh, countable lives of those who came to rape, murder, burn, destroy, and saved the people they were charged with saving. The bad news is there weren't nearly enough of them in these kibbutzes. Had, Had somebody come across the border 
into a town in Texas, in New Mexico, in North Dakota or Montana, they would have gotten a hot welcome after the initial surprise wore off. And the Israeli government knows this because gun control for civilians is pretty strict in Israel, more's the pity, because they've learned the hard way in the past that, uh, that, that this doesn't work. Almost 50 years ago, there was another wave of Palestinian violence as uh, PLO members came across the border and attacked three different uh, kibbutzes over the course of a couple of months in the summer of 1974. Uh, three of these kibbutzes, Malat, uh, Avivim, and Kiryat Shmona, a total of close to 50 children and 20 adults were murdered by three, uh, three groups of Palestinians who crossed the border with guns uh, intent on murdering and doing it successfully. The Israeli government then said, teachers, go ahead, bring your guns to school. In fact, if you go on a field trip, somebody has got to have a gun with them. Uh, there are no more soft targets uh, in Israeli uh, kibbutz schools now. This was limited to the kibbutzes, and the government that gave the right privilege, rather, took it away when they started hiring security guards. Well, Hamas didn't attack during the school day this time around. They attacked on the Sabbath, actually on the, on, on the uh, Sabbath at the end of Yom Kippur, uh, one of the uh, highest holy days of the Israeli calendar. And I know, don't jump me on this if you're Jewish. I know it's not the high. I, I, I don't know the entire liturgy, but you know what I'm getting at here. They attacked again 50 years to the day after the last uh, time Israel was attacked at the end of Yom Kippur when most of the country is busy doing its religious observances. The government of Israeli, uh, Israel has belatedly started allowing people in their infinite benevolence to exercise their Second Amendment, uh, what the right we codify in the Second Amendment, the human right to self-defense, giving gun licenses to people in the kibbutzes. I would say normally better late than never. It's not. Human rights are human rights, rights that pertain to humans, not to governments. Speaking of rights that pertain to humans, uh, I, I talk occasionally. In fact, I spoke earlier in the, in the show about the links between big left and fascism. There was a kind of a funny one with a by funny, I mean funny, weird, not funny. Ha ha. The DFL is building a new monument to itself. It's a replacement for the state office building on John Ireland at Constitution, southwest of the state capitol, currently slated to cost $730 million. That's bad enough. Given government inflation and the inevitable cost of overruns that you're going to see, by the way, I, I'm going to guess that the overall cost is going to be over a billion, if we're lucky, maybe 1.4. It's just another Minnesota government project. Here's the funny part. I, by fi, for funny, I mean, ha-ha, not, not ha-ha, weird. They're building a balcony. A, a dais over facing John Ireland to look at the crowds beneath them. The sort of thing that Benito Mussolini and Adolf Hitler used to speak from as they looked over the masses gathered to adore them. This is today's DFL in action. The resistance continues here, folks. Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 12A, The Patriot. God bless you all. God bless America. I stand with Israel.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.